His name is Randy Bachman, formerly of Bachman Turner Overdrive. And what are you doing now? Well, I'm still making music. Just, I know you are. Just finishing an album. I just am um, process of putting together a new management deal uh, in Los Angeles and a new record deal, and it's really tough. The market out there is very stiff. Well, now, wait a minute. You're a guy who had a great deal of success with BTO, and uh, my golly, you guys uh, made a fortune. You've done uh, so well internationally. Do you never get to the point where you really want to hang up that, uh, that instrument and say, let's forget it for a while and bury it, or does that creative urge continue to boil out all the time? It continues. When I was about... Uh I forget how old I was in 1970. Yeah. It's too early to Don't talk out. about it. No, when I left the Guess Who after 10 years, yes. um, I figured that's it. I've made my made million, money. so to yes. speak. And uh, I'll just pack it in. And I, after a year of having it packed in, I started to go really crazy. I was used to doing this thing every night at 10 or 11 o'clock where my body would produce adrenaline. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you mm -hmm. forget sore throats and back aches and... You know what I mean? You forget everything. Mm -hmm. You go on stage, you become numb, but you become this mm -hmm. transmitter. And mm -hmm. you transmit this energy. And you're also a receiver. You receive energy from the people. And it's a great feeling. And it's very hard to give up. So I just got restless. I got together my brothers and Fred Turner and put together Bachman Turner Overdrive. And we had about a three to four or five year shot at that. Made it right back to... The top, or left off with but, Guess Who. But you were even bigger than Guess Who. You were massive. I mean, my gosh, it's the, the story is astronomical. Yeah, it was really an incredible thing that oh, happened. Oh, yeah. And, uh, even a same. surprise to you? Well, I, part of me wanted the same thing I had in the Guess Who, wanted it in much less time. Yeah. Guess Who took about ten and a half years. Right. BTO took about two tough years, and after that we had three incredibly... Year, uh, great years where we were on top of the charts and just selling all over the world and yeah. and did the first a lot of firsts the first million dollar tour of Canada in, in tw 12 days right um, set a record at the P&E and the c &E that can't be broken because they've changed the the, ten, the house records for the fire laws so nobody, <laughs> that, that, that record, so that'll never happen that record is safe from Loverboy <laughs> or somebody that's else that's in gold right yeah. now yeah uh, we just had an incredible shot and then when BTO just kind of fizzled out in the late 70s it was the same thing. I spent about a year doing nothing, saying, well, I've made another milestone of uh, achievement as an artist and personality-wise and, and financial-wise and you know, business-wise, and uh, I just couldn't stop. So I just finished an album. I got married about five months ago to Denise McCann. Right. Um, her and I are, have put an album together. Um, it's a new type of music for me. And being new, uh, I'm latching on to some of, by meaning new, I'm latching on to some of the new things that are coming out of England, this computer technological uh, music. But I'm also combining it with what I know best, which is pop melodies, and what I can play best is rock and roll guitar. So it's a combination of heavy metal rock and, and pop melodies and this digital synthetic music from England. So it's something very new for us. But the people in L.A. that I, we're dealing with are very excited about it. Let's go back to uh, some of those early days of Bachman-Turner Overdrive. Um, you know, with the phenomenal success that you had and, and the way that the thing took off, are there aspects of that time in your career that you would change or things that you would have liked to have happened that didn't? We had a plan that was somewhat understood amongst ourselves because suddenly you realize and I'm sure the, the, the latest big group like Loverboy mm -hmm. suddenly realize 
when they're sitting in a hotel room where they look at the charts and they're number two or three, that they are really a big rock and roll identity. They have achieved the status of their idols, Jimi Hendrix or mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin or Elvis mm-hmm. Presley or the mm-hmm. Beatles, and they're right up there. And it's very hard because part of you is still very normal. Mm-hmm. You still go home and play with your dog and your kids or your brothers and sisters and like to go to football games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Part of you gets realizing that you are really big. And uh, I wish that at the period of time when we realized in BTO that we were really big, that we could have had the attitude of maybe the Rolling Stones or the Who or the Moody Blues and said, we've hit number one, there's nowhere else to go. You hit number one, what's left is number two, three, uh-huh. four, four, all the way down uh-huh. the chart. There's nowhere to go but down. Uh-huh. And if you can have an internal plan, Fred Turner and I kind of understood the plan, but the rest of the band and the management just weren't excited about it, and that was to shelf the group, shelf the idea of BTO, for two or three years, let everybody go, mm-hmm. get rejuvenated, just like when a new band starts. Everybody comes with new ideas. Mm-hmm. Some guys are into jazz, some are into country, but you basically all like sure. rock and roll. Some live in the city, some live in the country, and you put all those influences together, and for a period of time, the chemistry, you make really great music. After two or three albums, all those influences wear down, or you water each other down. To take a period of time and go out and get rejuvenated, would have been a, a very smart thing to do. It's easy to look back now and say that's what BTO. If we would have done that, we'd have been like the Stones again. Today, we'd be coming back now. Um, Is it too late? It just didn't work. Is it too Fred late? Fred Turner to and I got back together last year yes. as Union and yes. had an album on Portrait CBS, and we came very close. But I ran into some things in the business that I tend to want to stay away from. So when Fred and I had our Union album out last year, that was kind of a reunion of, sure. of the BTO forces. And the music was very similar. It was an extension of what we had done, and with some real creative juices pumped in. Um, the first week our album was out, we were just added to 140 stations, and I was on the phone to all the Gavin people and Bill Hart and all the tip sheets and Billboard and stuff saying, it's really going to happen, this is great. Yeah. Between that first week and the next week, I got the phone call, which I'm sure everybody gets, from the network of how could I say it, independent promotion people who are somewhat in mm-hmm. a syndication, if mm-hmm. you can get what I'm trying to say. I got you. And they say, uh, you've got all these stations and you're very lucky to get them. If you'd like to keep them, if you'd like to get more, here's our fee for doing independent promotion. And it was an incredibly stiff fee. Otherwise, it's down the dumper. Otherwise, it's down the dumper. And I had to think real long and hard. What do I do here? And it's pretty obvious what I did. I chose sure. to let the music ride on its own, and it did go down the dumper. You have alleged or given me the impression that in effect that you were called by some member of an organized crime syndicate who was prepared to keep your song on the charts. Or off the charts. Or off the charts, (laughs) unless you were prepared to pay a large sum of money. Mm -hmm. Am I correct or incorrect? No, that is correct. There are organizations in the United States, and they do spread into Canada, um, that control 50, 60, or 100, or 150 radio stations. You could call it a, um, a research service, you know, where they were apparently doing research for the, for the uh, radio stations in each city, telling them the best music to play. They then go to the artist and say, we're doing research for you, here's the type of music you should do to get played on these radio stations. They do it all very legally as market research and analysis and computer technology and stuff. What it boils down to is if you pay them the money so they can tell you what songs to play, basically they're just telling you to play your own songs, that they can get them played on certain radio stations. 
and it is very, How much very, money do they ask for? It's about $100,000, and they'll guarantee about one month's play on a list of stations. That's very, very incredible. But, you know, I really can't go into that. I don't want to get stations or myself in trouble. But, you know, there's a fine line between what they're doing now and what they did before, or what's done every day. There's a fine line between what you'd call organized crime and high-level promotion. Because radio stations run free trips all the time. Where do they get the free trip? Mm -hmm. The guys at the radio stations pay for a free trip. No, the airline kicks them in because they get free promotion. Mm -hmm. The forum in L.A., let's for example, kicks a little bit of free tickets in. What's two free mm -hmm. tickets? And they get mm -hmm. blasted in the air. And two kids can get flown to a foreigner concert or a Beach Boy concert somewhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's really promotion. Sure. Underlying that is, if if you have ulterior motives, it, it is there's some organized people in behind that, taking advantage of it. Has this been a fairly common practice with uh, when you were operating in BTO? Did you have the same kind of um, uh, pressure? <clears throat> no, we were very lucky in BTO. We happened so overnight that these people did not have a chance to they get, get their us. hands on you. We had a mo mildly moderate first album that sold and sold and sold and sta stayed on the charts about a year and a half. And in that time came out our second album with hit singles on it. And we had toured so much for that first album, some 300 dates in the first year. Same strategy Bruce Allen's using on Loverboy. Exactly. Loverboy was able to bypass that, I believe. Yeah. That they just happened mildly, but they worked and worked and worked, and they took this big, big jump when these people are saying, what's happening? BTO, has, has, they're getting played on all the radio stations. We're not getting anything for it. It was too late. So we bypassed that in BTO. I had, I had uh, insinuations of it way back in the Guess Who days when I went to England, and pirate radio there was controlled by... People, the the lines are so finely drawn these days. But on this reunion thing that you and uh, Turner had put together again last year, that mm -hmm. uh, that the bottom line was that if you paid a hundred grand, they'd guarantee you that you'd get airplay for at least thirty days on X number of stations, and if you didn't come up with it, they could put you down the dumper, and that's exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. We we did go down the dumper. Uh, we yeah. thought long and hard about it and said, do we want to come up with the hundred thousand? We morally could you have done that? No, but then I look at it and I'm competing with yes. Eddie Money and and uh, and Foreigner and and you know all these different people do have different organizations of hiring independent promotion, but you just can't go and investigate every guy and see if he's a crook. Is he really doing good promotion? Is he exactly. really taking your record into a radio station? And is it getting played because it's a great record, or is it getting paid because he's giving the guy a bag of dope? You you can't do you that. Don't know that. You get a chain of thirty or fifty people promoting your records. I'm I'm not against independent promotion. It's great, because a lot of times your record label is firing people and shuffling them. The trades now are full of people uh, that just got fired. CBS just let 300 people go. Electra let their six main people go. They dropped 12 of their acts, and the business out there is getting to be a real jungle. So what happens when record labels are shuffling around like this and people are losing their jobs? They go to the independent promotion people that are out there, that are organized networks, that used to work for record labels that were underpaid, and now all they do is sit in a telephone sit in an office with a telephone, make phone calls to 20 stations where they personally know the people and plug your record. I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. But to have it put as such an do this or else as a threatening exactly. situation exactly. or you're going to get dumped, Yeah. I, I, I took a chance on it and got dumped. Now my new, my new album's coming out. I have to hope that the people and the labels I'm going with are, are, are good enough to do the job. Or I'm going to get the same phone call. Mm-hmm. I don't know at which point I might succumb and say, damn it, I want to hit record. Everybody else is paying for this. And if this is the dues I have to pay to get it. Mm -hmm. You've made big money in your time. Mm -hmm. 
Have you diversified? So at some point or other, it doesn't matter whether you cut a record or not. Yes, I'm really. That's one reason I turned down I know. the offer I for the promotion that, yeah. because I do it because I love rock and roll. I right. grew up from the Elvis days on, and uh, I started playing music when I was five. I started playing classical violin, so it's something I grew up with, and I really don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. I've gone to business college, and I know fair amount about business enough to handle contracts and not get screwed by people and stuff. But basically. My hobby, my my job, everything is all music. And you now see? your personal life is really tied my up. My personal life, I have yeah. my own recording studio. I'm in there right. every day, either doing my own stuff or producing other groups. Right. Uh, it would be very very hard to leave. So I'm just I'm firmly doing it just for the fun of it. But I have uh, tried other diversities because when you get a lot of money, yeah. it's quite terrifying to have a lot of money and Big think responsibility. that as quickly as you got it. Yeah, Even though it takes it. 10 years of work, you get it all at once, you can <laughs> lose right. it just as quick, and that's then you right. go out and try to hire people yeah. to handle your money, and boy, yeah. that's really not right, because they end up playing Monopoly with real, real, real Monopoly with your with cash. Right. If they lose that's Billboard right. or Hotel, right. it's and, your hotel. And if you pay the $100,000, you could go right, park, right past Park Place <laughs> and go to jail.